Thank you for being here today. Um, Vivian's good to see you. Good to see you. Yeah. How are we doing, Dallas? Hanging in there. Hanging in there. Yeah. Hey, guys, we're glad that you've joined us today. Um, you know, I think I sent out a video last night. Um, this is not the easiest thing for us to be on stage, to not to have anyone really in the audience, uh, but to know that you guys are at home. And I want to express to you just how much uh, we love you. We miss you. You know, I think about what is it I miss most about uh, the church gathered. And it's, it's just seeing everybody uh, communicating together, talking together, sharing stories, sharing life, sharing experience. Uh, I just miss uh, gathering, worshiping together. And we hope you're doing well. Hey, one thing you can do is on our website, if you go to bergenparkchurch.org, uh, on the front page, there's a place where you can send prayer requests. Also, I want to uh, make a plea to some of you, if you need to stay home, if we can serve you, you can go to, uh, you can send an email to care at bergenparkchurch.org. You can go on the front of that webpage. Uh, let us reach out to you. Let us serve you. I know there's a lot of people listening right now that want to step in, uh, support you, help you. Uh, please, uh, please let us do that. Please let us do that. Reach out to us. Even if you're not a part of Bergen Park Church, you just happen to catch this uh, today. And uh, you got to be in Colorado at least. I mean, we can't, probably can't go to Nebraska. I mean, they, they got churches out there, so... They're doing all right out there in Nebraska, but um, anyway, uh, we'd love to support you. You know, this virus, it's, um, it's interrupted almost every aspect of our lives. And I imagine uh, we may even hear more this week how it's going to continue to interrupt, um, interrupt our daily lives. And the question that I've been asking myself is really, what am I supposed to be learning from this crisis? What am I supposed to be learning? What is God, what's God really teaching me? And I, I want to confess something this week. You know, um, I hate it when people tell me no. Anyone else kind of have that feeling? You, you, I, I don't know. Maybe I was a rebellious kid, and I didn't like to uh, really listen to authority. That may be a total surprise. I, I didn't. And so I don't like being told no. And this week, I had this great idea. Okay, I had this great idea. Everyone said that the um, last week it worked well. You know, the camera worked well, and we've improved some things. Somebody really helped us this week. And so I thought, you know, here's a great idea. We're going to move the camera. What a great idea, right, Stephen? Wasn't that a great idea? We're going to move the camera. We're going to set some things up. And here's what happened. Uh, midweek, everything just fell apart. It absolutely fell apart. And we spent our whole week just getting back to where we started last week. And, and here's what I want to say about that. I think in times of crisis, we think we know what we need, and we stop listening. Because a lot of people said, you know, Jason, it's not really necessary. I think Stephen may have said that. My wife definitely said that. I don't think it's necessary, uh, but I think in times of crisis and stress, we stop listening to each other. I know I do. I know I'm guilty of that. And there may be somebody sitting next to you right now, and you didn't listen, and you weren't respectful, and maybe the pressure just uh, allowed you to take advantage in some ways uh, in terms of your own behavior and attitudes. And I just want to encourage you, maybe you need to hug them right now. Uh, maybe you need to tell them that you love them, you care for them. Because uh, as we go through this together, uh, I think these little things kind of show up in our lives in different ways. And we just stop listening. And more so, I think we stop, we stop listening to God. You know, it was the great, and I think, Stephen, you know this theologian. This is one of the theologians you know. The great theologian Sting, oh, yeah. he, he said, he sang this song, and he sang uh, how fragile we are, how fragile we are. When a pandemic shows up in the world, 
And when it shows up in Colorado and it shows up in my neighborhood and it clears out my kids' schools and it's starting to shut down businesses and it's really influencing our finance and it's messing up with my church, we realize just how fragile we are. And I think you guys touched on it. It's as if nothing really has changed, but we're more aware of who we are and we're more aware of our condition. I think for me, a lot of my illusions of my strength have begun to fade away. I think it's James who said, uh, what is your life? You know, we are a mist that appears for a little while and vanishes. How fragile we are. And yet nothing in my life has communicated quite like pain. Nothing communicates as clearly as pain. I think if you ask people and they share their story, you'll find there's this uh, common denominator in people's faith story that often we come to faith or often we deepen and we grow in our faith during a time of crisis. And people will share, it's during those moments of crisis. And I know Stephen shared a lot of his past. And, and in my past, coming to know the Lord in a time of crisis, a time of just, just feeling alone. And God has a word for that kind of crisis. It's this word, trial. See, in the Bible, there are two types of pain. There's unexpected pain that comes into our life. It's unwanted. And, and that's called a trial. Now, the kind of pain we invite into our life is called a discipline. It's like, uh, it's like a spiritual dif- discipline, like a workout, something we invite in. But a trial is something we don't want, we don't want to experience, but God uses in our life really to strengthen us. And it requires, in the midst of that, like I failed, to listen. In the midst of that pain, just to listen to him and, and to have our heart attuned to his voice. And if, and if you're anything like me, and hopefully you're not, um, I didn't listen well. And I feel like today that's really what I want to do. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. I hope you can grab a Bible. We're continuing to just, just to really ask, what is God teaching us? Um, what do we need to learn from this? And, and how can we respond well? We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. And there's three big questions that, that hit me this week. And the first, I've already touched on it, is who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? The second is, you know, who am I trusting? And then the third one is, is who am I seeking? Because I think they're, they're related. If you listen to someone, you're gonna start trusting them. And the more you trust them, the more you start finding them. You're looking for them, you're seeking them. Who are you listening to? Who are you uh, trusting? And then what are you seeking? Because see, in Matthew chapter six, uh, verses 25 through 34, Jesus addresses our anxiety. But what he does is like a great great surgeon, uh, he gets underneath our anxiety and he exposes the roots of what we feel, our fears, our anxiety. So I want to read that. So please grab, hopefully grab a Bible, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you'll eat or what you'll drink about your body and what you'll put on. Is not life more than food? Is not the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow or reap or gather into barns, and yet, and I love this language, your heavenly Father, your heavenly Father, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add even an hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil or spin, and yet... I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory was arrayed 
was as beautiful as one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And therefore, therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For see the Gentiles, the unbelievers, they seek after these things, but again, your heavenly Father knows, he already knows you need them. Instead, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Three times, did you notice Jesus says, don't be anxious, don't be anxious don't be anxious. Now, he's not saying don't be anxious, like stop it. It's not just a command. Rather, what he's doing is he's addressing anxiety and saying, hey, what's underneath that? If I could look below the surface, if I could look from the mind into the heart and discover what is the seed, what's growing up in your heart, what's causing you to be anxious? Jesus is looking beneath, beneath the surface. And in a sense, he's asking us, you know, who are we listening to? We can listen to a lot of voices, certainly financial voices. We can listen to health, and we need to listen to those things and pay attention. But deep down, when it comes to our security, when it comes to our safety, when it comes to our peace, who are we listening to? And I love in this passage, he even says, you know, in verse 31, therefore do not be anxious saying. Sometimes I need to stop listening to myself. You know, some, so often it's not just that others are talking to us we don't realize it, we're talking to ourselves. There's this dialogue internally in our minds and we're allowing that to, to fuel some ideas, some beliefs, because our anxieties really, they teach us a lot about what we believe about God and, and the way the world is organized and who's in control and, and the ways that we go about exercising control. And so jump back in the passage, who are we listening to? Jesus says in verse 25, therefore I tell you, meaning I want you to listen to me. Verse 27, which of you by being anxious can add even a single hour to his span of life? Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus says, do not be anxious, but notice the things that he says we should not be anxious for, verse 27, verse 34, are the things that relate to the future. You cannot add a single day. You can't add a single hour. Do not be worried about tomorrow. Anxiety comes up when we try to control that which is uncontrollable. When we try to hem in that which we cannot get our arms around, and yet we convince ourselves, I think certainly in life we convince ourselves that we can. And I think one of the illusions that's, that's falling is we really can't control tomorrow. We can't add to our life no matter the good decisions we make. And I think when things are good, we feel like we're in control. Hey, I made the right decision, therefore I'm successful. I'm doing this and therefore things are going well. And then suddenly this, this very tiny, this little small virus comes into our world and something so tiny shuts down us who feel so sometimes powerful. And now we realize just the condition that we're in, how fragile we are, how fragile we are. Who am I listening to? And then second, second, 
the question becomes, you know, who am I trusting? Who am I trusting? Again, he tells us, if you look at verse 27, which of you by being anxious can add, can add anything, can add anything to his, his life? He's saying if we're anxious, in a sense we're anxious because we want what God has. We want his power. We're anxious because on the one hand, we want to be able to control what happens. And I think there's an anxiety in and kind of letting that go and giving it to someone else. In the same way that I didn't want to let go just moving a camera, which seems pretty insignificant, how much more is it moving my finances and putting them in God's hand? Trusting that my parents, they're going to be okay. Trusting that in the end, my job is, is still going to be there. Those clients, maybe even our own people in our church, they're going to come back. It's, it's releasing that and trusting and then wondering who is it that we're trusting to. And one of the big questions that this passage is raising is, is the simple fact that we think we've been in charge to this point. We think that we got ourselves where we are today. And, and because of that, he's saying, hey, consider the birds, consider the flowers, look at the world, what's sustaining them, what's guiding them. Hey, in your life, it's not you. And I think a big thing in times of trial is just simply admitting, you know, you're right. I think I have some of my anxieties simply coming from the fact that I think I have more control over things than I really do. And what this pandemic is, is beginning to do, I think, is just to help us see what Scripture's already told us is that we are just clay. I mean, we are just dust that God has breathed life into. And we've always been out of control We've always been vulnerable. And we've never been the one to keep life going. And so I think deep down we hate that. I know I do. And Scripture says this in Romans chapter 1. It says that God's invisible qualities, eternal powers, divine nature has been clearly seen from what he's been made so that we are without excuse. But what happens is, is that, that knowledge comes in my life and I want to suppress it. I want to push it down. I want to say, no, God, I got this. I don't need to listen to you. I know you say these are the things that lead to joy, but I'm going to take my own path. And Romans chapter 1 says, no, we suppress it. And then Romans chapter 8 tells us, for the mind of man is set on the flesh. And the mind of man is hostile to God. Now, in my life, that hostility shows up in that I just simply don't want to obey him at times. I don't want to trust him. I don't want to relinquish control. But if... I'm not trusting in God. That means I'm really relying on myself. And in relying on myself, I'm saying, God, I don't think you're sufficient. And I don't think you have my best interest in mind. And anything, if you know your own track record, that's, that takes a lot of faith simply to trust that you, you're going to hold this together. You know, what Scripture tells us about who we are is that we're not, we're not owners, we're really just stewards in life. And if you think of a, a steward, that language, it comes out of the Old Testament. It's this idea that a steward was one who was really dependent. He was, uh, he was trusting in his master. And to the degree he was vulnerable to his master, to the degree he trusted in his master, to that degree he walked out into the world in strength. Because he was following the master's guidelines, following his rules, and therefore he had influence because he was working for the master's glory. But as soon as the steward started taking ownership over that which wasn't his, 
He lost his identity. He lost his place in life. And that's where anxiety comes in. We start taking hold of things, even our own life. And here's the fact I need to submit to. Even my life doesn't belong to me. And Jesus in this passage in his kindness is saying, you belong to a heavenly father. And he's much better at taking care of our needs. And the only thing that's changed, here's the thing, the only thing that's changed is our illusion of control is beginning to slip through our hands. And we can either fight that or we can simply just surrender and say, Father, I wanna start listening to you in this time. Because as I lose that illusion of control, I don't know about you, in my pain, my ears start to open up a little bit more because I'm not making decisions that move the markets anymore. My business isn't growing. Things aren't working out as they did in the past. And I think we have an opportunity to start listening and trusting him more. You know, at Bergen Park, one of our desires um, and our goals this year is simply to learn to be with him. I, I don't think there's anything better we could do right now than simply just learn what does it mean to be with him. One of the solutions we can take is if you don't have a Bible reading plan, can I just really suggest you right now? You can do it right now. You can just kind of turn away, don't look, and, and get on your phone and get the YouVersion app of the Bible. And maybe what you can do is, is reach out to one or two people and say, hey, let's read this together. Don't do one of those year plans, okay, guys, because that's just destined to fail. Take one of those one-month plans. Call a couple people. Maybe there are people in your small group or people that you know, even in your neighborhood. They don't go to this church. That doesn't matter. As long as they follow Christ, right, we can do that together. What can we do just to begin, begin to listen to him? So who are you listening to? And then really in listening, we need to begin to trust, which means to surrender, to truly trust him. Now, in this passage, just quickly, there's two things that Jesus is addressing. He's addressing wrong thinking, which leads to anxiety. And then he's saying also wrong priorities lead to anxiety, which means that right thinking leads to peace and right priorities lead to peace. So he's addressing and, and really diagnosing the anxiety. So let's jump back in. First of all, wrong thinking. He says in verse 26, I want you to think. Look, study, the birds of the air. They neither sow, they neither reap, they neither gather into barns, but your heavenly Father feeds them. And here's the question. Are you not more valuable than they? And then the second thing he says, not just look at, but in the end of verse 28, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil or spin, and yet not even Solomon and all of his beauty, all his glory was arrayed like one of these. Do you not trust how beautiful you are? Jesus says, faith, it begins with thinking. A lot of people assume that the Christian faith is, it's kind of a blind faith. It's a leap in the dark. But that's, that's not how the Bible approached, certainly not how Jesus approached it. Paul says, you know, whatever is good, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, he doesn't say just accept it. He goes, think about it, which means bring it into your mind, chew it wrestle with it, doubt it at times, but think about it. Paul says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Why? Because you've died. You've died with Christ. Your life right now is hidden with Christ in God. And if Christ who is your life appears, hey, then you're gonna appear with him in glory. If I allow that to come into my mind, it's gonna change my, my feelings, my attitudes, my beliefs. We are transformed through the renewing of your mind. We need to start listening, but in listening, we really need to start trusting. And here's the thing about anxiety. In my periods of anxiety, I tend to stop talking to my heart and I make the mistake of listening to my heart. 
Now, I know in our culture, that's a, that's a big thing. I mean, that's how you discover who you are. Listen to your heart. I don't know. Uh, growing up, my heart took me in a lot of different directions. And, and I'd hope that there's something greater than my heart in the world. Otherwise, we're all in trouble. Instead of listening to our heart, we need to start learning to speak to our heart. That's what he's telling us. Consider these things. When you read the Psalms, I don't know if you notice the same language. We sang that song, bless the Lord on my soul. And scripture says, bless the Lord on my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name. See, that's the psalmist not talking to God. He's talking to his heart. And in whatever reason he's saying, right now what you need to do is you need to start praising. All that's within you, bless his holy name. Mind, strength, matter, I want you to bless him. Another psalm says, you know, why so disturbed? Why so downcast? Jason, why are you so depressed right now? Psalmist is talking, why so disturbed? I'm disturbed within me. And then he tells himself, put your hope in God. Hey, you're gonna one day praise him. He's saying, I'm not praising God right now. This is not a good time. This is bad. And he's telling his soul, one day you're gonna praise him. Put your hope in God. You will yet praise him, my savior and my God. We need to learn to take God's words and begin to talk them back into our heart in the same way that we need to learn to listen to each other and then to speak those words into each other's lives. One of the challenges in terms of anxiety is, is we're not thinking. We're just not, we're not taking God's words and allowing them to come in. Paul said it this way, do not be anxious about anything. But with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He's saying, whenever you ask something from God that he wants for you, consider that he's gonna give it to you. Think it out. He wants good things for his children. If he didn't spare his own son, why would he not also with him freely give us all things? We have to learn to think. We really have to learn to think. The second, so he, the first thing he looks at is the birds and he says, you've gotta know that God is in charge. God is working out everything in accordance with the purpose of his will. And the truth is, when you read scripture, you find a lot of stories of people that just simply had to trust him. I mean, Abraham had to uproot his entire life and go to a town that he'd never been to simply because God said, hey, I want you to trust me. I'm sure that was anxious producing. I imagine for Moses, I don't know what it's like to go in front of a guy like Pharaoh, but you know, he had to set aside his own doubts. He had to think, who is this God that's calling me? And then he had to trust him. I gotta walk out in faith and face someone. David, uh, David was just a small, uh, youngest born in his family, and yet he had to trust. He had to think out as he faced Goliath. And then, more importantly, above all of those, it's Jesus. Jesus had to think out when he was in the garden. He said, Father, hey, would you let this hour pass for me? And yet he had to say, you know, in this moment, I'm the steward, you're the master, not my will, but yours be done. I can trust you. He's working out everything. And if I could say that to you right now, God is working out everything in accordance with the purpose of his will. And that's where the anxiety comes in, because I wanna move the camera. <laughs> I wanna make a change and I just need to trust him. I need to trust him. The second thing he tells us is your father, in verse 32, he says, you know, he's in control, but listen, he also loves you. Your father already knows what you need, which means he's ahead of you. Scripture is often telling us, hey, I want you to know how deep 
I want you to know how wide. I want you to know how long and high is the love of Christ. I want you to know this love that surpasses understanding. And this is how God showed his love among us. John says it this way. He sent his one and only son into the world. And then I love this, that we might live through him. That his love would become our love. We have to know that God's in control, that he's working out everything in accordance with his will. But we have to know that the one we're trusting, right, is loving. And how do we know that? Well, we know that simply because he sent his son into the world to be the sacrifice for our sins, that we love him because he first loved us. And again, if he was willing to do that, to send his own son, why would he not also with the lilies and the birds and the eagles and all that kind of stuff freely give us all things? We have to learn to think. But lastly, we've got to prioritize. That's where that language comes in. You see it there, verse 33? Who are we listening to? Who are we trusting? But then finally, who are we seeking? Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. And he tells us all other things will be added to you. There's a story that just quickly illustrates that. It's the story of these two sisters who were deep, dear friends of Jesus, Martha and Mary. And Jesus was coming over and Martha had a lot of concerns, anxieties. People were showing up, the house wasn't ready, food wasn't ready. I'm not sure, a lot of things going on there. And Mary is just sitting at the feet of Jesus in his presence, relaxing, and Martha's not, not pleased. And eventually Martha's upset and Jesus just says to her, you know, there's only one thing that matters right now. And Mary has chosen the right priority. Martha, you just need to rest in me. And I think as we get up, certainly each day, we need to learn what does it look like for me just simply to seek him. And to seek him means to seek his presence, to hear his voice, uh, to listen to what he's saying, and then also to diagnose and ask what's underneath my anxieties. What am I listening to? What am I trusting? And then if I'm anxious, what am I really seeking as the solution? You know, there's a story that I read this week. This is one of those pastor stories, you know, you never know if they're quite true, but they've got a great point at the end. And it was about uh, the first Queen Elizabeth. I guess she was back in the, the 16th century and she was, uh, I guess she was going on a holiday, something like that, a vacation trip across the sea, someplace like that. And anyway, she was uh, going on this trip and uh, she was traveling on a ship and she wanted this specific captain to travel with her. So she had her, her folks, you know, her people go out and request his presence on the ship. And the captain spoke back to her and said, you know, my life is in disorder. My house is in disorder. My finances are in disorder. If I go with you, the ship is liable to sink. And she says to him, sends back word, I don't know how that worked back then, maybe a bird with a little note right out the window. And she says to him, if your business is my business, then trust that my business will be your business. Which put him at ease, meaning the resources of the queen are watching over you. And how much more does it mean to us that God is watching over us? And he's already demonstrated we can trust him through the sending of his son. And so wherever you are today, um, as you're wrestling with things, I just encourage you to start asking those questions. You know, what am I listening to? Because whatever we're listening to is gonna get into our hearts, it's gonna start affecting, it's gonna start coming out and you're gonna start trusting in that which you listen to. And then that what you listen to, that what you trust in, you start to seek. What if we just each day just kind of stopped and said, I'm gonna start listening to the Lord. I'm gonna shut off the anxieties, the voices, I'm gonna start trusting you. And then Lord, um, I really wanna learn to seek you today. I think in that there is a remedy to anxiety. 
And we got to do it together. And I know it's harder to do it together, but there's a sense in which we need to reach out to others, whether it's through FaceTime, Zoom, whatever that looks like, and, and not lose the preciousness of that community. I think we're better in it together. Just as, you know, it's much better to have you guys here than just simply to be alone uh, on this stage. Hey, I want to pray for us. Um, Father, I thank you that you're constantly reminding us. You've given us the Spirit, and the purpose of the Spirit is to remind us of the truth. And yet I want to confess, Father, that in my pain, I let the pain speak, and I shut out the Spirit in my life. I quench the Spirit. And yet I see what it produces in my life, the results, that, Lord, in this time, I think in many ways you want us to know that we are truly dependent on you. That's always been our condition. And yet, Father, we can trust you. We can trust you. You hold all things in your hand. You know the numbers of the hairs on our head. And, Father, you see the beginning from the end. And though today doesn't make sense, Lord, we can, we can trust that whatever is maybe coming to our life for evil, God wants to use it for the good. So help us, Lord, in this space just simply to trust you.